Good evening, everybody. A warning. Get a hard hat and earplugs between 10 and 11 o'clock tonight. Uh, myself and Grant Smithies. Grant Smithies makes a return to the Weekend Variety Wireless. Uh, we're looking at a band, New Zealand-born, called The Gordons. They're touring ba as Bail to Space. They became Bail to Space. Um, and they are a cracking story. Uh, inaugurated as the first all-time classic album from New Zealand by independent music New Zealand. It may not be your cup of tea, but they're a great story. Here's John Halverson, the founder of the Gordons, on how they came about. Well, I just finished art school in Christchurch. I was about to embark on a career doing graphic design when I was doing posters for Jim Wilson, and uh, he booked me in to do a show at the Hillsborough, assuming that I had a band, which I didn't. So I had three days, basically, to get a band together. And I hadn't met Alistair or Brent yet, but... <laughs> they were the first guys that came along and it just worked so we didn't really interview anyone else wow and uh three days later we were on stage supporting the whiz kids at the hillsborough after how many days practice three days three days yeah in which we wrote the songs and did you know them before that i'd never met them before that no Bail to Space are touring New Zealand. Go look them up. We'll give you all the details. They're playing uh, the, uh, what's it called? The Other's Way on K Road 31st. That's next Friday. And also playing Wellington, Christchurch and Dunedin. The Dunedin date, September the 15th. I know that. It's a Saturday because I got tickets. They were famously loud. Stuart Page, who was there. I was looking at one of their clips. I know, sorry. This is ago. Grant Smithies who um, was ta is talking about it. <laughs> I was looking at one of their clips a day or two ago online and um, this dude said his elder brother always had the opinion that they were a great band to hear at the Carlton when they were playing at the Gladstone. Which is a nice joke if you've ever spent much time in Christchurch because the old Gladstone car park is like 700 metres from the old Carlton car park. They're both mm. now flattened. Basically, as Bro was referring to how punishingly loud they were, and sometimes the best way to hear them was to be outside and down the road. <laughs> and that's not an exaggeration. They're a great story between 10 and 11 tonight. Tune in if you want to be scared. Wear a hard hat, earplugs, the works. They're ours, and they're important. They're called the Gordons. Okay. And they're now called Bail to Space. Tamar Munk is here for Mediastic. Hello, Tamar. Hello. Um, Mediastic, not quite kicking off. I just thought I'd bring you in because I'm just, just to prove so that I'm here. Freaking lonely. Mm. Um, this is my grievance number 163. Mm. Uh, 161 was last week. 162 is being put on hold. This is grievance number 163. And it's called the wrong machine. Mm. When you get the wrong machine out for a specific task, want your hair done, you don't get a combine harvester, <laughs> do you? No. It's not the sort of thing you want. No. And this is exactly what people do. Uh, there is this um, program which people use. Uh, when I say people, I'm using really that far too generously. Um, they try to find they musicologists tried to find the saddest song that was ever number one on a major chart, mm. Billboard number one. Mm. And they've done this with a machine. Uh, the chart, uh, it, tries, it tries to visualise feelings in terms of valence or energy or arousal uh, 
and divide them into quadrants based on four basic emotions, sadness, happiness, anger, and calm. Sad songs appear at the bottom left corner of the chart. Now, this is on the BBC World Service thing. Mm. It's the saddest song in the world. I clicked. Mm. Okay. Happy songs in the top right, angry songs. It's like a political spectrum yeah. thing. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Wh- where do you sit on your political carry-on after Very you've done like one that. of those um, Q&As? Yeah, yeah. And the top left, calm songs. And um, then there's another one on the bottom right, which is angry and calm or something. I don't know. Anyway, they came up with the saddest song ever to reach number one in the charts. This is their result. The first This is gorgeously beautiful. It's not sad. No. Roberta Flack, first time I, I ever, ever I saw your face. I couldn't imagine being happier, finding a lover like that and knowing that you were that it's connected. It's all happy and hopeful. It is so beautiful. So the problem done. with the machine is it's not listening to the lyrics, is it? It's not. No, it's not. And... <laughs> I often don't listen to the lyrics. But the thing is, also, it's not just the lyrics. It's that things like this can be moving, but not sad. Mm. Oh. So their top five was number five, Still by the Commodores. That's not particularly sad. Mr. Cluster by Larry Vern. Are You Lonesome Tonight by Elvis Presley. I suppose so. Three Times a Lady by the Commodores came in at number two. And number one, what you just heard, first time I ever ever I saw your face, Roberta Flack. It wasn't um, her song, of course. It was that communist and his friend. <laughs> I forget his name. It's terrible. Seeger. Peggy Seeger oh. and McColl. Oh. The father of Kirsty McColl. Yeah, those two. They did the original. Um, and so I thought, given that this machine is so ill-suited mm. to this, mm. why would you put it out there? Uh, it's obviously wrong when there is a glaring, obvious, shining black hole on a hill of mm. sadness that mm. was number one for six weeks on a trot, yeah, number one on the United States Billboard 100 singles charts, six weeks on the trot in 1972. This didn't even get a mention. And if you're feeling down, we'll get into that a little bit later. Leave well alone. When a little while from now, I'm not feeling any less sad. I promised myself to treat myself and visit a nearby town. Ow. From climbing to the top, will throw myself off in an effort to make clear to who ever what it's like when you're shattered, left standing in the lurch at a church where people are saying, My God, that's tough. She stood him up. No point in us remaining. We may as well. I did on my own 
Goes to a wedding. Oh my god, it's tough. She stood him up. Oh well, no, no, no use in hanging round. It's because it's what got the jaunty. It's the jauntiness, isn't it? I don't, I don't hear it as jaunty. There's quite, it's quite a jaunty melody though, compared to the Roberta Flack. Yeah. And without so much as a mere touch, the little pieces leaving me to doubt. Talk about God in His mercy, if He really does exist. Why did He desert me in my hour of need? I truly am indeed alone again, naturally. It gets worse. Mm. It seems to me. Makes the Smiths sound cheery. <laughs> but there's always humour with the Smiths. I've seen this happen to other people's lives and now it's happening to mine. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, number one, six weeks, didn't turn up on this survey of the saddest song in the world. Don't give it the job to a machine. No, no. Wrong machine. Anyway, some machines are really good. There's a well, They need to tinker the machine. To make it better, maybe more than tinker. I think it's really, throw it out and start again. Yeah, throw yeah. it out and start again. Yeah. Um, there's an urban myth about a tune called "Gloomy Sunday." It was written by a Hungarian dude. It was banned by the BBC because a reputation uh, surrounded it that when it was played, there were a rash of suicides. Um, it's been shown that there's no cause and effect. The rash of suicides, I think it was because it was 1934 in uh, Hungary and other things were happening. This is it anyway. Well, the the thing about uh, Alone Again Naturally... He might be, I don't know, was that Hungarian, did you say? I mean, that might be really happy lyrics. I'm having a lovely day and happy, happy. No, it is pretty Depressing. sad. Yeah, okay. it, it's a guy killing himself because oh, it's terrible. Um, and where was I? Yeah, um, alone again. Naturally, um, in the music you said it was a little jaunty. Mm. It's not very jaunty. It's like he's trying. He's trying. He's trying, yeah. and that adds to the pathos. Yeah. Absolutely, but the machine doesn't know that. No. And that's part of the issue. Get the machine out of there. Yeah. And don't put it on the BBC as here's the saddest song in the world, first time I ever ever I saw your face, which is just brimming with one of the most wonderful emotions in the world you could ever have. It was have. used Love. for a um, nappy ad here, wasn't it? Get out, was it? Yeah, I think so. And it was all about the baby. Like... It's not sad. It was all about the first time I ever seen, saw your face. Blah, blah, the baby. Blah, blah, blah. The baby. Right. Right? I didn't Roberta Flack do it for Jacinda. <laughs> yeah. Neil and um, Liam Finn did. Yeah, they did. They've released a double album and it includes the Jacinda Baby song. It's a double gatefold LP. Unbelievable. All right. That's my grievance number 163. Uh, we'll go back to 162. 
uh, Grievance 162 next week. That'll be a surprise. I hope it's still relevant because it is a seasonal grievance. No, it's 19 after 8 o'clock. Time for Media Stick when we return. I have a lot of fight left in me. I'm not breaking down. The New Zealand Herald published a smear by TV blogger Paul Casserly. The blogger is obviously emotionally disturbed. We will never feel safe again. Oh, breaking news. Mm. Uh, you'll hear some breaking news with CNN shortly. But uh, Paul Casserly is uh, chucking it in um, for Media Stick. And um, I don't know what we're going to do, but we, we will be battling on. He's too busy, apparently. He's doing something with Fiona McDonald of the Headless Chickens. Aww. And so that's fair enough. Just thought I'd say that, be up front straight away. You might have to change that stingray. I'm going to have to get rid of it. A last chance to play it, maybe. Yeah. I think he might turn up next week if I can bend his arm. Good. He might phone it in, be really lazy or something along so those busy. lines. All right. Now, uh, Greg Boyd, I didn't know him very well, but I liked him. And we'd chat occasionally when you know, I was at TVNZ. I liked him a lot. He mm. was really neat. He, I'm not kidding. It's not just because he's dead that I'm saying he was my favourite news kind of presenter, anchory guy. Mm. There was something really good about him. Um, so it was really, really shocking and sad when I saw that um, he was dead. And we joined the dots. The coroner's report's not in, but uh, it's assumed by his own hand, right? It is. A hard thing for a news organisation to do to report this and do the normal news. Mm. Here was the introduction to TVNZ's news. Uh, news Hub did something too, but, I mean, this is more closely aligned to mm. uh, and impacted on TVNZ. So here's the day that they found out their colleague, Greg Boyd had died. Oh, come here. Where is it? Here we go. Sorry. Pardon me. Tonight on One News, the pressure mounts on Donald Trump after two bombshells in one day. The police manhunt continues for the gunman who shot dead a gang member in Whanganui as the victim's body is removed from the scene. Nothing. Mm. They did the news, which was... I think, a brave and good thing to do and a right thing to do. Mm. Uh, they didn't ignore him. Uh, a hard thing to report. Here's how, when they eventually got to it, they did it. It's been a hard day here for the One News family and it's with sadness and heavy hearts that we mourn the sudden death of our friend and colleague, Greg Boyd. Kia ora, good evening. It's been six weeks of nappies feeding and barely leaving the house. Now the Prime Minister... He's talking about Jacinda Ardern there, obviously, but from the 6pm news to fair go, close-up, seven sharp, Q&A, and most recently, one news tonight. Greg had a varied and distinguished 21-year career across many TVNZ news and current affairs programmes. The 48-year-old died while holidaying in Switzerland with his wife and youngest child. He'll be dearly missed by his whānau and all his workmates here at TVNZ. We'll remember Greg for so much, much, his warmth, his kindness, his wit, those quick one-liners, those brilliant reposts. Ete hoa, moi mai ra. Rest in peace, dear friend. Yes, a great friend. We'll be greatly missed by us all. There's been lots of tears in the newsroom today. And now I will try and move on to the next news story. Coming up, Turnbull in turmoil. Another leadership challenge looms for Australia's Prime Minister. What our government makes of the current crisis 
and ordered to get out more than a decade ago. The last Nazi war crime suspect finally leaves America. Why it took so long to deport him? Plus, over the moon with their discovery. Scientists find water on the moon and you might be surprised to find who was involved in the mission. They did the news. Mm. She was on the verge of cracking up, but they did the news. It, it, that was the thing that struck me. I think they all delivered um, their, their... They all did their jobs in a really remarkable way, but you mm. got a sense that from from each of the presenters that I saw across that day, there was a stumble or a crack of the voice that, yeah. that there was a human side to it, but actually they were really... They didn't focus on it. They yeah. didn't use it as a lever. They mm. didn't use it as anything to stand on. Mm. They did their job. They mm. did the news. Yeah. Um, so, you look, I'm going to say hats off. Yeah. For doing it in that way. There was a nice... Uh, I don't think anyone's played this. We did this on Media Stick ages ago. A nice bit of Greg Boyd. Spells of rain further north, but in between, I think we can shoehorn in some fine and dry weather too. That's how it's looking. Greg, back to you. Bummer. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Just bummer regarding the news. That was that was fun. Um, do we play the posthumous praise piece? This is one of his favourites that you pointed me to. Yeah, well, I read the obituary that his um, very dear friend Phil Vine, who uh, was a fellow journalist, I think they had most recently worked together on Fair Go, actually, um, and Phil Vine wrote an obit today in the Sunday Star Times, which I read, and and in in it he talked about this satirical piece from the Chaser, um, and it does seem I said when I sent it through, it was sort of feels wildly inappropriate, but also by all accounts, this was his sense of humour. Gallows in this case, yeah, and and this was um, I just. It is a great piece of satire and... It's true. Yeah. Shall we just play it? Go on. I think Greg Boyd wouldn't have minded. Yeah. Uh, my great eye this week. I couldn't stand him, actually. Nobody could. Uh, but, but as soon as he passed away, everybody went around saying what a, what a top bloke he was. So I'd like to dedicate this song to you, Gramps. He was very hard of hearing. He was dull and domineering. Misogynist, cantankerous and vain He hit the bottle every night He hit my grandma out of spite And those stories about his bunions were a pain But all that's now forgotten Once he took his final breath Yes, even pricks Turn into top blokes after death You don't believe me? Allow me to furnish you with a few examples Steve Irwin lived in khaki A cartoon kamikaze Who taunted crocs and tops so frequently And Brocky was some rev head Who pumped the air with pure lead So anti-green he drove into a tree But all that was forgotten Once they took their final breath Yes, even tools turn into top blokes after death John Lennon chose the hippie life He chose some nutbag for a wife And his songs were never quite as good as Paul's Jeff Buckley fooled all lovers Just one album, mostly covers With more wailing than Japan does off our shores But all that was forgotten once he took his final breath Yes, even wankers turn into top blokes after death Princess Di was just a slut. Princess Di was just a slut. Oh, And so it continues. So that was from the Chaser from, uh, I think, 10 or 11 years ago. And as I say, it was acknowledged by um, 
Greg's very good friend that that was one of his favourite pieces of, of satirical comedy. So yeah, does seem appropriate to play. Okay. Uh, worries about a couple of bits in the press. Um, I'm maybe a little sensitive and I think I'm compensating because other people aren't. This mm. is what I think. Race baiting in headlines. Uh, remember it was mm. quite a while ago when there was uh, a report on TVNZ, a couple, I think no more than that, of convenience stores in Queen Street were broken into mm. and it was framed as an attack on Asians. Mm-hmm. Try and find a convenience store that you can't frame in that way. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really wrong. It's disappeared. I don't think it was anything to do with race. I think that is dangerous and an awful thing to do and a go-to thing for media. Yeah. Well, it was more the issue around, if you're going to call it a, 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 a epidemic of something, it was attacks on convenience stores, yeah. for instance, yeah. rather than, you know. Yeah, but it was completely framed as, oh, as this is a racial attack. Thing, yeah, yeah. Okay, headline. Um Grim findings in China survey from, I think this is the Herald. You're all right. You aren't like the other Chinese who are stealing the eels. That was a line Jack Luo had hurled at him. Oh, actually, it wasn't at him. It was at, they said, other people. When he was visiting a park in Auckland where locals said the eels had been stripped from the local stream. The article goes on, talks about a whole lot of stuff until it finally gets to uh, what is the... Um, grim finding from the China survey. Uh, Shall we hear from Luo? I heard it was a great piece from a colleague of mine, a great place from a colleague of mine, and I decided to move here with my dogs. It's been great. I like the hikes I can do and climbing mountains. (laughs) On the most part, Luo says his experience has been positive. And that's consistent with the finding of the survey of a thousand New Zealanders. What was the headline? Grim findings in China survey. But what does even a China survey mean as you throw that piece of paper across the room? That's race baiting. Okay, other stupid headlines. Why Lady Lou lines are longer. That is only an article for someone who's just arrived on Earth from Mars (laughs) in order to explain something. Yeah. It is. I would like to commend the um, new design of venues for preventing that. I was in one of them recently. I was at the the ASB Waterfront Theatre. And there's, you just go into the ladies' loose, and there's hundreds of stalls. Hundreds. Because they know that it's only a 20-minute interval. And they've got to get through, let's say, there's 700 seats. Let's say it's a 50%, probably higher because it's the theatre. It might be a bit higher with the, you know. Ladies going to the theatre, I don't know. Let's say 300 women plus wanting to take a slash all at the same time. Yeah. You just walk in and there's walls yeah. of stalls. Yeah. It's great. I've been to so many gigs, festivals, things like that, and the queue for the ladies is ridiculous time mm. after time after time. I'm one of those people that usually snakes into the men's. Good. Yeah. I opened up. The means, I don't mean to be particularly Fidel Castro here, mm. but um, it was like I'd go into the men's and there were plenty of yeah. stalls and urinals. I don't care if you want to, you know, get it in there. Yeah. But I saw this line of people suffering and I said, look, guys, do you mind if the ladies come in here? And no one did. No. 
And so come in. Come Any in. Any other good solution? Why don't they freaking fix it? I don't know. The other solution is is that they now just have those banks and banks and banks of portaloos at the festivals or the, you know, yeah. when you go to the outdoor ones and there's just all individual ones. So it doesn't matter. You just use the loo that you need to lo- use. Mm. That's what we need more of. Okay. Where do we go next? Oh, we'll go to a short ad break and, well, actually, they're all the same size. Um, that was real media talk, wasn't it? Short ad break? Short ad break. Short ad break. <laughs> We're going to a same ad break, uh, more media stick when we return. This is the Weekend Variety Ones on Radio Live. There was a time not long ago when New Zealand had no government. It was after an election. Um, people were basically rolling dice to find out, oh, who, who's going to run the country? I think we went for about three months without a government. It wasn't the last election. It was the other one that Winston Peters was enjoying. Mm. And we didn't have a government for three weeks. And I thought, well, we're getting on okay. Should we just not have one until we find that we need one and then do something about that? Um, unfortunately, they didn't take my advice. <laughs> but Australia's done the same thing this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just been shambles, hasn't it? Yeah. They're a bloody shambles. Loving it. Absolutely. Australia's getting on okay. Has anything gone to hell in a handbasket? Well, other than the politicians, no. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to say I know in that I know way. But it, no, I, I think it's been carrying on. I suppose they've got a slightly different model because they're federal and they've got state governments that might be running some stuff while the other lot are having an absolute mm. nightmare with it. State governments are really strong. There was a time when Queensland, during a drought in the Queensland Parliament, a senator got up there, a representative, said the drought is so bad, the wheat harvest is so diminished, we may have to import wheat from Australia. (laughs) That's the independent thinking of the states. Bless. Anyway. Anyway, so the shambles of the real situation with all the politics and the politicians all just having a lib spill, as it was hashtagged on Twitter, uh, made for some great comedy. Mm. That was the thing that struck me. I just went looking for the comedy because can't be bothered with the serious stuff. So I found a couple of skits. Uh, which one do you want to play first? Up to you. They're both good. Oh well, this one. Uh, the, maybe play the the do your job one, okay. which is um, from a comedy show called Tonightly, mm-hmm. Australian Australian comedy show. Um, do your king job. Yeah, that, and I think it just sums up the whole how everybody felt about it. Yeah, nice. Here we go. All Australians. I'm a barista. I'm a doctor. I'm an actor dressed as a tradie. I work in an office. And, and we're, we're doing, doing our job. Sure, sometimes I have to work with people that I don't like. And it can be hard, but I do it because it's my fucking job. Sometimes I look at my boss and I think, I could do a better job than him. But then I shut the fuck up and I do my job. Do you know why? Because I'm not a fucking psychopath. Sure, there are unpleasant parts of my job, like looking into people's bum holes. But at the end of the day, it's just my fucking job. When I'm asked to appear in an ad as a tradie, there are other gigs I prefer to be doing. I went to drama school for fuck's sake, but I put on the high vis and the hat, and I do it because, because it's our fucking jobs. And I guess what's weird, what's just a bit frustrating, a little odd, is that every other person in this country seems to be able to do their fucking jobs, except you, fuckwits. 
Because while we don't know exactly what your job is... But we're pretty sure you're paid a lot to do it. Like five times what a teacher gets. But whatever your job actually is, this isn't it. So please. You absolute shitlords. Do, do your f***ing job. job. Authorised by all Australians wanting you to do your f***ing job. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it just kind of summed it up, really, you know. I like the schoolgirls high school thing that they did. Yeah. Anything you need to fill us in before we play it? Well, no, I think this is just, it's again, it's just comedy and comedians summing something up in a really beautiful way. And a quick turnaround too. Yeah. Within the day. Yes. Good morning, teachers and student body. So basically, as we all know, um, this morning, Petra had a full freak out and decided that she was going to challenge me for captain, which is sus to say at the least. Uh, thanks, Melissa. It is actually true. I did ask the year 12s to vote whether they wanted me or Melissa as their school captain because some girls are like, what the frick is this chick doing? Does she even know how to run a frickin' school? Okay, well, awkward because the vote came back and it was 48 to 35, so I won. Which is like full fine and I'm so over it. Okay, sure. well, thanks, Petra. Same. I'm not upset, I'm just... I'm just a bit freaking okay, upset. Okay, well, no one cares, Petra. Uh, well, thanks, Melissa, but I think you'll find 35 people actually do care. So okay, well, can I just say, no, you know what? I'm going to take the time to say right now that I'm resigning from my position. Give me the click up. Give me the click. Basically, on Friday lunch, we're going to go to a vote to see if you can take a female formal day if you're a leso. Obviously, I'm into it. I'm obsessed with it. I love oranges and new black, whatever. But we have to go to a vote because the Christian students are going to be like, rah. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, a little summer heights high. A little summer heights high and just really kind of um, drilling down into the pettiness of that whole real life situation yeah. by throwing it into a girls' high school. It was, yeah, I, I thought it was quite well done. And as you say, turned around within the day, which was quite impressive. CNN got very excited about themselves. This yep. is CNN Breaking News. Breaking news. All right, breaking news. We are following breaking news. We are continuing to follow breaking news. Thank you for sharing this big breaking news day with us. Breaking news. Don't go anywhere, a lot of breaking news. We're getting breaking news standby because this is uh, clearly breaking news. We have more breaking news. Don't go too far away because there's more breaking news. Now, this is all from a period of one afternoon. This is from the other day when um, those guys got indicted and charged. And there's more breaking news. There's more breaking news. There's breaking news and more breaking news. Back to our other breaking news. I'm going to pull away from you because our uh, justice correspondent, Shimon Prokopez, I hear has some breaking news. Back to our breaking news. Stay with me. Breaking news. Breaking news. Wow. We could just have this going in the background. It keeps going for a while. Uh, I mean, it's quite phenomenal. And as you say, it is from one afternoon. It was a supercut that was put together by Vice. So Mm. we should say that. And uh, it's not like I was sitting there watching CNN doing anything fancy. Um, It just came across my news feed. Uh, But... This is that dopamine hit thing. It's like what they talk about with your phone, right? You know, oh, I'm just going to check my phone because something new might have come in. I mm. might have got an email, ping, mm. like the slot machine factor. Mm. I might win this time. I might win this time. Breaking news. And the nature of the human mind is, is that we want to know the answer. We want to know what it is. I and think, that's just well, horrific, I actually. suspect I can just see, I bet you anything, there was a meeting in one of those boardrooms at CNN where – one of the people in charge was saying, we've got to reclaim breaking news. We haven't had this sort of opportunity since 1991, <laughs> Operation Desert Storm, when we were on the ground yeah. with what, what, tell it to me, tell it to me. <laughs> 
breaking news. <laughs> and so they overplayed it. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of revelations that came through that day with Manafort and all of those, Cohen and blah, 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 all of that carry on. No, they were branding it. But they were absolutely branding it. And it's really just clickbait to keep you watching mm. to find out what the next breaking news is. And it's actually more of the same. It's not, you know, nothing. The, the earth hasn't turned on its axis all of a sudden. Tell us what the news is. That would be really good. Exactly. Uh, Jonathan Pye this week, British commentator, an out-of-work actor who's made a great job for himself <laughs> by saying stuff. What he does is he pretends to be a regular reporter, then when the microphone goes off, he keeps the microphone on and says what he really thinks. And it's well thought out. Jonathan Pye, this is relevant to what we just heard. It seems Rupert Murdoch and his media empire's relentless support of Trump is in no danger of waning. Jonathan Pye, News International Headquarters, London. Have you ever been inside that building, Tim? It's like if the Death Star had a publishing wing. With the Emperor, played by Rupert Murdoch, the power-mad, turtle-headed, scrotum-faced, Antipodean media mogul. The Lizard of Oz. That building behind me is a temple to dumbing down on an international scale. He uses money to buy news outlets to influence your politics. Look at Fox News in the US, okay? He's turned supposed journalism into a potent and nakedly partisan form of political propaganda. He's created an entirely new body politic without leaving any DNA at the scene of the, scene of the crime. And Trump is the result. But Murdoch merely started this problem. Murdoch merely encapsulates this problem. He pioneered the problem. Everyone's at it. Now he's just the biggest prick in the parlour. Everyone in the media is now a mini Murdoch with an agenda. Okay, all newspapers, all newspapers have now become just one big opinion column, which is weird because most newspapers have an opinion column for that. It didn't actually used to be like this, you know, but now every story in every news outlet has a bias, an agenda. Most Daily Express stories are framed through a pro-Brexit, anti-immigration agenda. The Guardian, almost every story is told through the lens of identity politics. So when Trump accuses CNN of fake news, he's kind of got a point. You know, it was blatantly partisan in favour of Clinton, which wasn't hard, to be fair, but people aren't stupid. They recognise a partisan agenda and they don't trust it, even if they happen to agree with it. Don't lecture me. Tell me the news. People know when they're being patronised. They know when they're being educated, when they're being told what to think. In the past 15 years, almost all media has lost almost all of its impartiality. It's no coincidence that trust in the media is so low. Here's how to combat Trump's dirty war on the fake news media. Just start telling the fucking news as impartially as you can. Yeah. Thank you. Very well put. Uh, does, I, I really wonder how much he prepares those because he does it so bloody well. Yeah. He is an actor. I know. Yeah. I suppose it's a little bit but like well a stand-up comedy slash acting yeah. monologue, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, there's the polarisation, uh, given the political atmosphere in the USA, I don't want it to poison anywhere else, mm. actually. And people draw links between Brexit and Trump and things. I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not convinced about that. And I don't want it to poison New Zealand. Mm. Um, uh, but in any case, we've got, we'll cover it. Did you know that Barack Obama is a neo-Nazi? <laughs> it's gotten this bad. Okay. 
This is from a YouTuber called Some Black Guy. So Obama gave a speech, right? And then at one point he said, But democracy demands that we're able also to get inside the reality of people who are different than us, so we can understand their point of view. Maybe we can change their minds, but maybe they'll change ours. And you can't do this if you just out of hand disregard what your opponents have to say from the start. And you can't do it if you insist that those who aren't like you because they're white or because they're male, that somehow there's no way they can understand what I'm feeling. Now, most people thought the speech was really good, but here's some of the replies to this speech. Wait, what? Did Obama just become a Nazi? White speech is hate speech. Former President Barack Obama comes out as alt-right. Obama out here sounding like an alt-right neo-Nazi. Wow. Wow. I asked an American uh, constitutionalist, uh, or oh, would only have taken me to Google it, why didn't why doesn't Barack Obama, given that he's all class, just do a Grover Cleveland and run again? You're not allowed to second twenty second amendment or something. You're yeah, two to two um, two terms, eh? No, you can't do them if you've, there's been a gap. Oh. I don't know why Grover Cleveland did. Oh. I don't think anything went particularly wrong then. I might be missing a meeting, but anyway. Um, the New York Times documentary. Here's the promo. Yeah, go on, play the trailer. The news doesn't tell the truth. They have no sources, and I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. They are the enemy of the people. We just got kicked out of the White House briefing. Would it be fair to characterize that story as wrong? Yes. This American carnage stops right here and stops right God, sounds like the Vietnam War. <laughs> this is from the New York Times. What is it? This is a documentary series um, called The Fourth Estate, which I have watched on YouTube. I don't know that I should be watching it on YouTube, but it was there and it's free and it's legit as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's four parts and basically they let cameras inside to follow their pretty much their White House team, but also their editorial team um, over the first year of Trump's pre presidency. What's interesting in the context of, say, that Jonathan Pye piece, I think, is that, well, f okay, firstly, I'll say, if you like me and you like a bit of newsroom media, if you're a bit of a media fiend, it's great because you're just right in there with all of the news decisions. And it starts on the day of his inauguration with one of the editors just going, this is a great fucking story. Like, yeah. just loving it, knowing it's about to all go to Helena Hanker, yeah. but actually knowing what great news this is going to be. Um, and one of the stars, if you can say stars, and in inverted commas, of the doco is um, the New York Times White House correspondent, Maggie Haberman, who followed Trump when he was a property tycoon in New York and had a relationship with him then and now is one of the primary correspondents for the New York Times with, with I mean, she's broken a truckload of the stories. And so you see a lot of this stuff because, of course, it's been, it's now we're seeing it in hindsight. And so you're kind of seeing where a lot of this, the 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 way the news played out and, and what went on behind the scenes and stuff like that. What's really interesting is that it does feel at times a little bit like PR for the New York Times, which I thought was quite interesting. But 
you see their consideration about going, well, we don't want to put that story out until the White House confirms it because if they then decide that they're not going to do that move, say there's a staff move or something, will just be called fake news. So there's all of the kind of thinking around how they how and when they release the stuff that they know. Because they have to second guess because you're dealing with something that's nobody's dealt with before and that's the wildness. Of the, the erraticness of, of, yeah, the, of, yeah. of Trump and the fact that he can tweet something mm. before a lot of his staffers know and things like that. So that's quite an unusual situation to find themselves in. And the, and I will say as well in terms of as it does at times feel like a puff piece, but you see one of their reporters um, getting taken down in the context of the Me Too movement and the editorial and management decisions that went on around that. Um, they got some criticism around how they dealt with it and things, but it, yeah, it's a. I, I really enjoyed watching it, and I think if you've got an interest in news, if you've got an interest in interest in politics, anything like that, it was. It's a. Mm. It's a good watch. Okay. Uh, other news, uh, Pope Francis is to meet abuse victims in Ireland. It was scheduled for the rectory of one of the churches in court, but uh, had to be moved to a 55,000-seater stadium. What? Because he wants to meet the abuse victims in Ireland. Oh, my Lord. I made that up, but if he wanted to, he'd have to. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Uh, have a listen to Sam Harris, actually, about uh, that. It's it's not a pretty listen, um, but you can just check out his podcast. Anyway, Lenny Hendry's BBC promo. I love this. Look it up online. We'll put the link up um, in Mediastick, actually. Shall we play as much of it as we can before our New Zealand accent. Yeah, we should say this is... So Lenny Henry's turning 60. Uh-huh. And he's got a BBC comedy special coming up. And this is the promo for that special. And it is absolutely spectacular. It's bang on. Yeah. Never has TV been so good at being itself mm. in the face of YouTube and broadband and everything just by being... Happy with itself and calling things as they are. Yeah. And it's a takeoff of the... It's a takeoff of the very, very huge hit from earlier this year, um, Childish Gambino, who's a, a rapper, hip-hop star, who released a, a track called This Is America. And He the, even nails the move. He nails, or, or the, he, he nails yeah. the whole video construct, all of it. And, and even the fact that This Is America is a is a parody of America in its current form and the Lenny Henry one is a parody of that. I mean, it's just so clever. It's yeah. it's meta upon meta, if we can say that. Yeah. It's not bad. Here we go. What happened to TV? Started off groundbreaking. It was moving and shaking. Now it's cooking and baking. This is the TV on a downward spiral. If we put this online, uh, it'll go viral. Yeah, yeah, been a long journey. Yeah, yeah, from American Honey. Yeah, yeah, when audiences drop off. Yeah, yeah, just take your top off. We used to love these. Nice to see you, yeah. Lovely, jubbly, yeah. I'm above it, yeah. Yeah, but no, but yeah. What's he doing? Where's he going? We should 
much diversity, LGBTQBA and me. This is the TV. Used to be relevant back in the day. Now they say that it's lost its way. We know what's gonna kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. Broadband, broadband, broadband. Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. You better work out a quick fix, or you'll be buried by Netflix. Good evening. Here is the news. All television channels in this country are preparing to close down. The reason? Young people have given up watching television. Unless, of course, they're in it. <laughs> and now the weather. Oh, that's really nicely done. Yeah. Self-awareness. It's really great. There's actually a, a line at the very, 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 very end, which um, is worth, when you put the clip up online, it's worth sticking around for. Okay. little Easter egg for the end of the clip. Tamamu, thank you very much for Media Stick this week. Here's our New Zealand accent of the week, young conservationist. All we can do is help keep them alive. They're not going to go extinct as long as we keep this going. The most interesting radio show on planet Earth. Oh, crikey. The Weekend Variety Wireless. On Radio Live. That is, really is something to live up to, isn't it? Good morning, Scotland. Tell you something, pal. I don't know who the f*** you are. So go and take a good f*** to yourself. Do you hear me? Thank you. Oh, boy. Uh, between 10 o'clock and 11 tonight, a difficult listen if you can't handle really, really loud, amazing music, but they're ours and they're important. The Gordons, between 11, uh, 10 o'clock and 11, their formation until their time now, which is under the name Bail to Space. They were loud. I remember once they used the Gladstone in-house PA just as fallback for Brent, <laughs> and then they, they they brought in like truckloads of cabinets and had this big wall. It was pretty impressive. They amazing. <laughs> 